everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and I really appreciate you clicking on this episode today. Today we have Craig Etheridge and Glenn Underhill of Disciple First, along with Gary Chevalier, who actually serves at First Colleyville with these guys. They're going to be talking to us today about evangelism, and this is actually part three of their series that's been rolling inside the Discipleship.org Collective in Classroom 3 on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. So if you want to catch that live and in action, you can go to the Collective and check that out next Tuesday at 2 p.m. If you didn't catch parts one and two of this series and you want to go back and listen, a simple way to do that is to go back to episode 40 and 42 of this season of the podcast so that you can catch up with what they talked about in those episodes. All right, guys, let's listen in to this conversation on evangelism. Here we go. Well, hey, welcome to another exciting edition of uh, this Disciple Making Collective. We're so glad that you've uh, decided to join us today. Um, my name is Glenn Underhill. Uh, I'm the executive director for Disciple First. Uh, we're a ministry that really exists to really equip ministry leaders how to live, lead, and leverage their influence to ignite multiplying movements in in, in the local church and uh, love doing it. It's just a great thing. And um, I've got a couple of my great friends with me today who we're going to be kind of diving into this conversation about about guest services. And you think, well, what does that have to do anything? Because we've we've spent the last couple of sessions talking about this idea of raising the evangelistic temperature in our churches. We looked at Jesus as, as our model and how did Jesus really reach people who are far from the Father. And then uh, our last session, we looked at kind of this community engagement piece on a practical, real practical level, nuts and bolts. And then today, just kind of now, as they're kind of coming, as those people from the community are beginning to step into uh, our churches, how do we really service them well in that process? And so I think this is going to be a really, really good uh, conversation today. I've got, again, some good friends, uh, some experts, so to speak, I, you guys are experts. Hey, you guys are amazing. Uh, but like I said, uh, some guys I also get to not only do life with every day, but I also get to serve on staff at uh, First Baptist Church Colleyville with. And so, uh, Craig, why don't you take a moment, introduce yourself, and then uh, we'll pitch it over to Gary. Yeah. So, uh, hey, everybody, Craig Etheridge here. I'm the pastor at First Colleyville and also the founder of Disciple First. And so it's my joy to, to serve in a local congregation. And I'm excited about what we're going to talk about because guest services is such a huge piece in our disciple-making process. And, and many churches just simply overlook it or, or maybe feel like it's not quite as necessary as some of the other steps. But I think you're going to find in this, um, in this class that we're going to have right now, this session, you're going to, you're going to find out why it's so important and some really practical things you can start doing right away to really take your guest services or first impressions team, whatever you call them, uh, to the next level. So super excited to be a part of, of the call and, and the discussion. Thanks, Craig. Uh, absolutely. And my name is Gary Chevalier. I have the joy and privilege of 
uh, getting to serve in guest services here at our church at First Colleyville. And uh, probably like some of you, um, I was unaware of Disciple First until recently, but I have really had a great time uh, getting to learn about the Disciple First process and, you know, how Jesus made disciples. And it really has just been an eye-opening experience for me, as I know it's been for a lot of you guys. And I am super stoked to talk today about just kind of guest services and the importance of it and why we do what we do and why it's important to be intentional about the guests that God sends through your door each week. Yeah. Yeah. And Gary, you're, uh, you're so good at it too. And it's so much fun to watch you serve people who are working through our engagement process and walk away going, man, that was a, in a good way, a killer experience. I felt welcomed. I felt uh, like people cared about me. I mean, I've heard that over and over and over, and it just continues to allow them to see the hands and the feet of Jesus in some really practical and great ways. I know you, you build great teams to do that. So glad you're on the call with us. Bless God, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Public props. Woo woo. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, hey, you know, I thought maybe, maybe the first place we'd start, because I think people are probably going, you know, man, how does guest services have anything to do with the disciple making process? So, you know, Gary, in, in your, uh, you know, Maybe as you've been kind of working through this, why is guest services such a vital piece to the disciple making process? Uh, well, you know, again, foundationally, you got to know why you do what you do, right, Glenn? So I, I appreciate you asking that question. And and at the end of the day, guest services is so important because it really doesn't matter what goes on in the rest of your church if people don't come and stay then they're not going to be able to experience the rest of the disciple making process that is going on. And so how we treat our guests, how we connect with them and get them connected into the church is crucial into being able to funnel people into the disciple making process so that they learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ, Uh, really, because the majority of people make decisions based off of how they feel. Right. If, if, you, if you think about it, you know, you say, hey, where do you want to go to dinner tonight? Oh, you know what? I feel like Tex-Mex. OK, let's go. And so we really do make those decisions out of our gut so often. And so experts will tell you that, you know, first impressions, you know, you, you never have a second chance to make a first impression. And so, you know, people are making impressions and they're taking in data as they walk up and as they look and, and it all translates into how I feel. And so within the first um, I've seen estimates as low as the first three seconds that people have their first impression made, but three seconds, seven seconds, 15, depending on what study you read, but people, they have, they have an impression on what things look like and how they feel when they walk in. And to be completely honest, what, what you're really doing at the end of the day is you're trying to cultivate an environment for God to speak to that person. And so the evil one is naturally going to do everything he can do to prevent that process from happening. So when you're when you're creating a guest services experience, you're you're really trying to get the things out of the way that the evil one will use that will set an environment that people can hear from the Lord. And, and, it, and that's what we want to make happen. So people, you know, people can get great content these days anywhere. You know, they can, they can hear great pastors. They can listen to great music online, on demand all the time, but really at the church is where biblical community happens. That's where, that's where people can really build those relationships and start that disciple making process face to face. And so when we treat people in a way that demonstrates who Jesus is, you know, it, it paves the pathway 
for people to hear from the Lord. You know, it's interesting because I, what I hear you saying uh, is this idea that, you know, I think uh, people who are far from God, as they're engaging in relationship with people and then coming in, there are already so many barriers of, I'm, I'm kind of insecure. What are they going to, you know, what are they going to make me do? What are they going to, I mean, right. are they going to be friends? And so they have all these things in their mind that they've already, or maybe some past experiences when they were a child that they've encountered. And so yes. anything we can do, I guess I hear you saying is anything we can do to, you know, kind of knock down those barriers and really put forward and these amazing environment. It's only going to help, accentuate their experience and give them an opportunity to begin to say, you know what, I, I want to, I'm, I'm going to continue to give this, this, uh, this an opportunity to, and see how it plays out in my life. And so I, I is that kind of what you're saying? I guess this is kind of a little bit of what I'm hearing. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. People come in with preconceived opinions on what church is and you know, maybe they've had a bad experience before. Maybe there's some church hurt, maybe someone who claimed to be a Christian treated them poorly. Uh, maybe they've been looked down upon because of their current lifestyle. So yeah, people far from God, uh, they think they know what, what to expect. And so when we do things that are contrary to what they expect, it really creates these moments of, huh, and it gives people a second look to where they'll think, okay, maybe there really is something to this. So as we break down those barriers, like you said, then people all of a sudden are able to go, oh, okay, this is not what I was expecting. So what is it? Yeah. And when they start asking those questions is when the doors are open for God to really speak into their heart. And I know, Craig, one of the things that you and and the leadership team really wrestled with um, in this this process was, you know, the kind of how our our building looks in terms of uh, thinking about that person that's far from God, uh, and they come into our 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 facilities. We we've really tried to map it out in such a way that it 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 it's thinking of that person in mind specifically. Is that is that would you say that's correct? And 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 why did the leadership even think about it from that from that perspective? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We're in a um, building expansion project right now, and a lot of what's driving that is guest services, uh, because uh, you know we, like many churches, kind of inherited older facilities that did not have open spaces, atrium spaces. Uh, there just wasn't the, the the importance in how you connect with guests right away. And so we had to add on lobby space so we could create those venues where guests can can be greeted and, and get a cup of coffee and have conversations. And they can go over to an area and they can learn about groups and how to get plugged in, all that type of thing. Uh, it, a lot of our people park in the back part of our property and they move in and we don't have that there. So we're creating that space designed just for guests so that they can have a great first impression. I mean, and, it came uh, down to like paint colors and, and, <laughs> and how we the, 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 kind of the, the way things are kind of the furniture is arranged and paintings and, and things that are put on our walls so that, those kind of those first time guests, those people that might have all these things would feel a, a, a sense of welcome and warmth and who we are and how we feel about them. I mean, was all that in mind when those things were planned? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we had, we sought the counsel of people that do this for a living, you know, that have, 
you know, really some expertise in this area. But I think you're right. Beyond, uh, yes, we want to create a warm environment. Yes, we want to create a welcoming environment. It needs to be clean. It needs to smell good. It needs to, you know, have all those pieces. Uh, but also, we we want to start immediately giving them an impression of who we are and what's important to us. And so we have these massive pictures in our lobby area that picture people caring for one another and people in the community and people being baptized. And so right off the bat, they're getting some visual images of what it looks like to be a part of this church family. And, and maybe even, uh, maybe not subliminally, but, but certainly not overtly what's important to us, you know? And uh, so I think that's, that's important. People determine their openness to you and what you're about right off the bat. So we want to do our very best uh, in that area. Yeah. Well, they definitely get an idea of what's important to us when they walk through the doors for sure. So, you know, maybe Gary, you might even kind of speak into a little bit of this is what, you know, what are some of the, what are some of the key ingredients for you and your team uh, to making a guest feel really welcome? That uh, person that maybe has been disconnected or disenfranchised from the church for a long period of time, and they're walking in for the very first time, what what would be some of those key ingredients? Uh, so we have worked with our guest services team uh, and we have created just a, a little three W's, you know, that, that people can remember and, and lock in on. So our, our volunteers uh, know that we want every guest to feel welcome, wanted and wowed by their experience. And so when we're, we're looking at those key things, you know, facilities is going to be huge on that and just making people feel welcome. Is it, is it easy to navigate? Do I know where to go? You know, the, the biggest that people start feeling when they go to a new place is that they're not going to know where to go and they're going to feel out of place and that they're going to just look weird. And, you know, cause everybody at church already knows what to do. And so they feel like all the attention is going to be on them. So one of the things that we do is we station people right at the doors with a smiling face, ready to greet people and welcome people and let them know that they are prepared for to, to come right in and to offer to help. Uh, we have a host team right inside the front doors that when a guest comes in and we've trained our host team to look at the body language of a guest, you can tell if someone's never been to your church before just by how they carry themselves. You know, wh where are their eyes? If someone's never been in your church, their eyes are up. They're looking, they're scanning, they're finding your signage, all of those sorts of things. Whereas if they know where they're going, their heads are going to be down. They're going to be talking to their kid or their or their spouse. And so you can look at those signs. And so we've trained our folks to be proactive so that a guest doesn't have to go say, hey, will you help me? But instead, our host team will walk up and say, good morning. My name is Gary. Hey, can I help you get your kids checked in today? And so by initiating that conversation, it makes it a very easy, smooth pathway for that person to know that not only are they welcome here, but they're like wanted here. Like you, uh, you are coming and putting yourself out to me to help me and anticipate the needs that I'll have that morning. And so I actually told our host team to think of yourselves as a concierge, that your job when that guest comes in is to be their one point of contact to help them with anything that they need. Uh, they walk them to take their kids to get them checked in. They walk them to find a connect group class. They walk them to the worship center or to get coffee or wherever that couple goes all morning. That becomes their their person, their guest. And so by doing that, that makes the person feel welcome and feel valued knowing that, hey, there's there's something here for me. 
Yeah, that's great. Is they you know uh, like the VIP treatment. You know, Glenn, I've seen our teams do this, and they are so amazing. And I think, honestly, for pastors, you know, we're so focused on the sermon, and we're focused on, you know, maybe the worship experience. We can often overlook the lobby experience or the parking lot experience, which they'll never get to the worship service if they're turned off already before then. And I just recommend, guys, I try to do this at least once a year to go visit other churches and go in as a guest. And my wife and I did this this summer. And we pulled up in a church we'd never been to before. We we felt what it felt like to be talked to by somebody we don't know. And we walked in, not sure what we'd anticipate. And it's good to remember that that natural anxiety is something every guest feels when they come into your church. And I think it, as long as I put myself in that position, then I realize, man, that's what people are feeling with us. And so we want to make it super uh, special for them. We want them to walk away, like Gary said, wild, like, man, they were so friendly. You know, wow, that place was such an easy place to get around. And they really, we really feel wanted there. That's, that's what we're shooting for. Hey, let me interrupt for just a second so that you can hear a brief message from our sponsors. Here they are. Wouldn't it be great if someone who knew what they were doing, who actually had proven results, would just share with you exactly how to make disciples? Hi, I'm Doug Burrier, a decision scientist and a real-life disciple maker. This year, I'm discipling six of my neighbors. That's crazy. They don't even go to our church. My friends and I made 1,392 disciples last year. So if you're tired of hearing the same old blog and keynote messages, droning on about the why, the need, and the theory, I want to invite you to hear the simple how-tos that have bunches of churches and hundreds of people making thousands of disciples all around the world, how to recruit, how to get them to love reading the Bible, how to transform them, how to run a meeting, like a real proven agenda, how to make individual disciples in a group setting, how to give people the wonderful, abundant life that God promised them. This is what I found in sustainable discipleship. It's not materials. It's not another program. It's a simple, repeatable set of how-tos. If you're ready for something proven, practical, and different, visit sustainable-discipleship.com. That's sustainable-discipleship.com. The team will be happy to share with you everything God shared with them. All right, let's get back to the episode. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, Jesus was really good at was this idea of connecting kind of the disconnected. Uh, and, And I think, you know, obviously as a team, we talk about key connections that help, um, our, our, our guests feel, um, feel like they're, they're getting connected. So Pastor Craig, what, what are those, Craig, what are those four connecting points uh, that we, we, we talk a lot about here? Yeah. You know, we have uh, studied the life of Christ and what we found is that in the first 18 months of Jesus' ministry, he was really uh, engaging explorers, people that were far from God, whether uh, educated, uneducated, high, low, you know, all across the spectrum, believers, skeptics, all this kind of thing. He's engaging people uh, outside the family of faith. But then what we find in, in Matthew 4, 18 and 19, he, he pivots to another segment, which we call the connect phase. And he calls these men to himself. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And they begin to connect with Jesus uh, in an overt way, in a committed way, in a public way, they start connecting with each other and they form a community where they're going to spend the rest of their time together and they start connecting with the cause. 
right? That they start to serve alongside Jesus. They start shadowing Jesus, participating in the ministry. So what we've taken away from that phase is that, man, we may engage lots of people out in the street, a lot of people with community engagement, but we want to connect them to us when they come. And the way we do that is these four C's. We want to connect them to Christ. We want to connect them to the church. We want to connect them to a community of believers, which would be a group of some kind. And then ultimately we want to connect them to a cause. We want them to volunteer or serve in some way. And what we found is those are like the four legs of a chair. You know, when you're just on one leg, you're pretty unstable. Two legs, still pretty unstable. Three legs getting better. Four legs down, you're stable. And I I just hate it when people leave our church and say, I just never felt connected. Uh, If you go back, you can see, well, they never got in a group. They never really served. They didn't come to the church very often. They never joined. You know, these types of things really help you to connect people. And so this guest services element is really facilitating that. They're trying to get them into worship. They're trying to get them into a place where they can be a part of our church. We'll talk more about our Discover First class, which is a key element that we do of that, connecting them and serving. There's just a lot of things that happen there. But listen, uh, those four key connections have to happen if you want to uh, have people feel uh, involved, feel connected, and stay with you over the long term. Yeah, and I love that because it's connected right out of, it comes right out of the life of Jesus, right? I mean, it's not anything yeah. we've kind of developed ourselves. It's like, I mean, this is the, the, the approach that Jesus used in order then to begin to, uh, after people would kind of walk through those four connect points, to then invite them to, uh, to take another step of commitment, a greater step of commitment. But it, it, you know, he recognized that people had to, you know, to hit some of those connecting, had to hit those connecting points in order to take, before they took that next step. In their, yep. in their journey. Right. And it's, and it's super important in that process to make those connection points personal. You know, mm-hmm. what I loved about Jesus is that he always looked at the person he was talking to, or he reached out and touched them, um, you know, to, to just create that personal connection point. And it's so easy in our society today and the way our churches are structured uh, just to well, you know, fill out an online form or, you know, put a, put it in a system and a process. And all those are wonderful tools, but we have to make sure that we don't lose that personal connection because that's really what drives the rest of uh, their process. Maybe a good way to say that is it's got to be relationally driven. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. It's our discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org collective 
and sign up for your free membership today. Gary, what, what have you what what have you and your team discovered are maybe some of the best practices of really helping um, these uh, guests really begin to uh, get connected into uh, our, our, our into church membership, maybe to so to speak, or into groups. What are some of the best practices you guys see and are utilizing uh, there at First Caliville? So, so really, like you know, like we said, everyone comes to church with different baggage. Everyone has different expectations, different needs. They're in a different point in the season in life, and so you know, as we just mentioned, that personal connection uh, is huge. Being able to initiate that, and that kind of helps you know how to direct people best, and and what it is that they're that they're looking for, and how they'll be easy, you know, more easy to connect. Um, so we'll, we'll hit discover first again soon, but discover first is, is kind of a large class gathering where we speak about the church and what's and what the church is about and what God has called us to do. And, and people are able to attend that class to figure out, okay, how do I fit into this body of Christ here? And so that's a, that's a wonderful way that we're always on the lookout to do, but really those personal, those personal conversations. And I, and I gotta be honest, uh, email is no longer the thing. Uh, there was a point in time when you could send someone an email and reasonably expect that they would, that they would answer it or see it. But I, I'll, I know you guys, y'all have looked at your in, inbox. It probably looks a lot like mine. And that, you know, there's really only a few key emails that we that we pretty much search for. And so we've discovered that texting is an excellent way to connect with people. So kind of uh, and I'll just I'll just throw it out there right now. Uh, kind of my secret sauce right now that works amazingly well is I will send a video text to someone after they show up for the very first time. Now wait, and, say that again. I think this is a really creative idea and it's something that's really good. Say that again. As I will text a video of me yeah. to a guest when they come for the very first time, they'll get a video and I and I use their name and I'll be like, hey, Glenn and Craig, you know, my name's Gary. I'm with, you know, with First Colleyville. I'm so glad that you guys came to church on Sunday and just send them a little quick 30, 35 second video text using their name. Uh, but it gives them a face and a personal connection. And I send it from my cell phone. So they now have my cell phone number. And at that moment, you know, they're able to go, Oh my goodness, somebody took the time to yeah. send me a message using my name. Uh, and very often I get to, I get texts back from people probably about 50% of the time is they'll text me back. Um, usually it's a thanks. We had a great time. See you next week. Uh, something like that. Uh, sometimes it's, oh, you know, I really appreciate this. I'm having a hard time right now. And then that will lead to other conversation of, you know, well, they have, you know, they just, they've lost their job and their mom is sick. And so, you know, they were at their wits end and they decided to show up at church that day because somewhere they heard that Jesus could help. And so that opens doors for ministry and it opens doors to be able to connect with people on a more personal level. Uh, that's, that is so good. Uh, and I, I love that because that's just really, really practical. Now, yeah. one another quick question for you: How? What do you have a time frame? Hey, I'd love to get those out within the first twenty-four hours, the first forty-eight hours, because I know there's lots of research and how quickly those should be done. Or is it the first? You know, is it before the end of the day? I mean, talk us through that so we can have a little bit of an idea. 
So we, we get them done as quickly as is feasible. Um, but yes, research says the sooner you can follow up, the better. Um, because first time guests don't all come through a central location at our church currently. Uh, they, they get amalgamated together uh, the very first day of the week. So I try to send those out um, late on Monday or early on Tuesday at the latest. And so, yes, the sooner you can connect with people, the better. Uh, like I said, just our, our processes, uh, which requires a little more conglomeration of getting getting it all in from different spaces. But yes, definitely the sooner, uh, the sooner, the better. Yeah. Hey, Gary, I've got a question for you, too. Um, you might talk about how do you get the phone number? You know, I mean, you have to have their phone number to do that. And uh, I think I know what you're going to say, but why don't you tell us? OK, so. I am a firm believer that many hooks in the water is going to yield more fish. So we currently employ multiple ways to get people's phone numbers. Ideally, when someone comes to our welcome table uh, where our host team is at, uh, we get their information right then and there. Hey, would you mind filling out this quick little connect card for us? And we have a connect card that basically just gets their basic information and has room for a prayer request. If they uh, feel that they want to put a prayer request on there, those same cards are located in the worship center as well. And so there's an opportunity for them to fill those cards out uh, when they're in the worship center. We have a texting feature where we encourage people to, you know, hey, when, you know, it's your first time, text hello FC to our short code 313131. And they're able to garner our information there. Uh, if parents check their kids in for the very first time, we always get their information there with at the kids check in as well. And so most people are really good about giving information. You know, we make sure that people know, hey, this is private. We're not going to sell this. You know, you're not going to start all of a sudden getting contacted by, you know, somebody in Turkey trying to sell you something. Um, but people are generally pretty good about giving at least one of the couple, you know, the spouse or the, you know, the husband or the wife, one of the two of them will generally uh, give their cell phone number. And again, as long as you don't abuse it, it's, uh, it turns out to be a really good thing. Yeah, and I want to say this real quickly, too, because I think this is important to note. Uh, we we kind of blew up that whole front desk kind of, you know, sit behind it and wait. We kind of used that genius bar look like at Apple Store, where it is much more relational and it doesn't feel like <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 10 feet behind this huge desk. Uh, it, it has a very relational feel. I, I, I and talk a little bit about that because I think yeah, you're, you're that's correct super and, important. I'm sorry. I said that's super important. I think there's a real strategy behind that. And I think right now, you know, I see a lot of churches employing these big, huge desks or mm. big round table, you know, big round pieces. And it, people get don't want to go up because it draws attention to themselves versus, hey, we have this real relational, like you, when you walk into the Apple store, it, it, it kind of gives that vibe. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And so uh, we and we encourage our folks again, we have the big table that has, you know, a couple iPads that there are ways to sign in and give information and sign up for events and do those things and all the information, you know, that a guest would need there at the table. Uh, but we've trained our host team not to go behind the table. Anything that you put between you and the guest is a barrier. 
And so we want to remove all the barriers we can. And you're not going to walk up to your friend and, hey, and I'm going to stand on this side of the desk and you're going to be on that side. Well, no, you're going to come around that side of the desk so that you're together face to face. So we've encouraged our host team to do the same. So like you said, it, it's, it, it looks less institutional. It definitely looks more informal. This is, a, this is kind of a piece that you may have in a house. Like you may have something like this in your home. It just gives that that more relational, congenial, we're all in this together kind of feel. Good. So I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, this whole discover first. Uh, it's kind of this really uh, hinge pin for us. It's kind of what, it's a, a system that we have in place to really kind of begin that facilitation of moving people through the beginning the start of the journey, so to speak. So you know, Craig, kind of what is, what does our Discover First gathering look like? Why do we do it? Uh, and, and really, how does it help to begin to facilitate moving people into our pathway? Yeah, I think Discover First is kind of our one-stop shop for finding out what we're about as a church. We used to say, hey, we're going to have a membership class you want to go to membership class, I do not recommend that you do that. Uh, I mean, we would get very few people that would bite on that. And then those that were coming that say, yeah, we've been attending here for 16 years. We finally decided to join the church. You know, you think I'm kidding. I mean, we really had people do that. So we scrapped all that and we said, discover first. Hey, if you're new here, discover first is a way you find out what our church is about. You'll, you'll meet people. Uh, and discover first that are like you, you will find out what our church is about and how you can get plugged in, how, what we offer for groups, what we offer for community engagement, all kinds of fun stuff right here. It's kind of our one-stop shop to really get connected to our church. What we found is that new people are really attracted to that. They go, man, I can, in one meeting, I can get everything I need. Yes, please. So um, they come to that. Most of them pre-register in advance. And when they do pre-register, then we strategically place them at tables with other families like them. So if you have young singles or young couples uh, with kids or no kids or senior adults or empty nesters, we strategically place them in seats with people at a table with people like them. So when they immediately show up, they see somebody that's in their life stage, they automatically have connections. And we also put at that table as a host, uh, the teacher of a class, a what we call our connect groups, that does minister to that stage. So they can, they're the ones facilitating those conversations. And then it's so easy to say, why don't all you guys just come with me next Sunday to my class? I'll introduce you to a whole lot more people like that. And I'm telling you, this has been really a, a uh, incredible tool for people quickly moving into the life of our church and finding a group. And we just had one last uh, this last weekend, and um, it was really fun to watch. Uh, you know, we actually were a host couple, my wife and I, and we had parents of high school and middle school at our table. Um, and, it, you know, just the uh, you could feel the 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 tension kind of come down as we were like, oh, you know, and they're relating to us. And we're like, yeah, we understand because we're in the same stage of life as you guys. And hey, here's a group that we attend and it's been really good for us. And, and, and in fact, um, you know, we, 
we're excited because I think a couple of those couples are going to be at, at our group next week. So, you know, it just, it, it, it's, it is, it's a super practical, easy way uh, to get people moving. And, and really, I think what I hear you saying, and, and, you know, Gary, you might want to jump in on this is what are we doing to really help people take that next step as soon as they possibly can? Right. Uh, let me just add this one thing. Uh, I, it is a place where people can join. And so we do introduce church membership. If people want to uh, join the church, there's a way for them to indicate that there. There's also a place to indicate, hey, I have some questions. So it allows us to follow up with those outside of that meeting that have interest in membership and uh, to find out, you know, if they have a baptism uh, challenge, you know, like they need to be baptized or their conversion is really super clear. We have a lot of people that are baptized out of Discover First. It's, it's about maybe a third of our baptisms you know, throughout the year are going to come through that venue. So that's pretty significant. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's really important uh, to, to get them saying one-stop shop get them relationally connected and then start talking about membership, baptism, that kind of thing. But Gary, what are some things that you're, you're seeing that are also really working well in that venue? Yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, putting people together where they can start building those relational connections again, that's the thing that the church has to offer that they can't find anywhere else is that biblical community. Uh, But at the same time, you know, you've got, um, people up during the class that are teaching more about the church and who we are and what we do and what God has called us to do. And so I, you know, when I was brand new on staff, I sat through the discover first and learned more about the church and who the church is than I did when I was actually doing the interview process, because it was very crystal clear that, you know, we are about those four stages of the explore, the connect, the grow, the multiply. And you hear that and you learn that and you see how the church is structured to accomplish those goals. And it is very clear that this church is about reaching lost people for Christ and turning them into disciples that, you know, the great commission isn't, isn't really just a tagline. It literally is who our church is and what our church does. And I I think that resonates with people and that connects because it's so clearly presented. And I love the fact that staff members um, will pop in and be able to talk about, hey, this is who we are and this is what we do in this you know, wing of the church. And here's how we serve people. And you know what? God has gifted you. And maybe serving in this ministry is a way that he wants you to plug in. And so, you know, we're, we're you know, remember those four key connection points, the connecting with Christ, the church, community, and cause. And so it helps give them a way to connect into a cause. And, you know, I, actually, I told at the Discover First class, I told the folks that were there, you know, this is how you find your people. Um, You know, when you're passionate about something and you meet someone else who's passionate about something, that's going to put you in close contact with someone that thinks the same way as you. And, you know, like the, the people that love to teach junior high kids that's a special breed, right? And it's hard to find those people because usually they won't admit that out in public. But when you start serving together, you find, oh, well, you love to do that too. Oh, you know what? I love to do that too. You're a hunter. Oh my goodness. I am too. Let's go. And so you build those community connections through getting involved in a cause and serving others. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing to watch it. Uh, People will get connected to guest services through that. And they'll be like, you know what? When I showed up, the person that I met at the door was so joyful and they just made me smile when I walked in and I want to be one of those people. And I'm like, 
you look like one of those people. Let's get, let's get you <laughs> You're <involved."> hired. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's so good. You know, I, I had lunch today. Uh, actually, Glenn, I had lunch today with a, a, a guy that they're young couple. Uh, they've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And um, they're fairly new to our church. And he said, man, he goes, I'm, I just want to get plugged in. I just want to get connected. Uh, and he said, I'm going to discover first this next time. And, and I'm looking forward to that. And, and it makes me happy because I know what's going to happen. I know he's going to meet people like him. He's going to get invited to a group. And, and so, um, man, Pastor, wouldn't it be great if you knew every time couples walked into a meeting that they were going to instantly get, you know, find some connection and people loving on them. That's what uh, will happen when you do a Discover First type uh, class. And it also becomes a great fishing pool as you're working your your process um, as what we're finding. So, I mean, we set goals based on percentages of what we want uh, people to be assimilated at. And it, it really is helpful because then you have a, a, a system and a process because it's only as good as your systems and processes. And so I think it, it really is a great tool for, for moving people along, facilitating moving people into the pathway and getting them moving forward. You know, one of the, probably the last question, and, and, and I'm going to, I know that there are some churches that are probably listening to this that don't have maybe very many staff members, or there's just a single pastor, or maybe you're a church that's got multiple staff. But um, one of the questions I want to, this last question I really want to ask is, how does, uh, how does your staff structure, or maybe your key volunteer structure facilitate a movement from the street to the seat. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll just say at our staff, we, we have a whole, we call it the wings of the plane. We have one wing of the plane that is community engagement. And really what, what that does is we have teams that really focus on, on going out in the street, going out in the community, engaging people, sharing the gospel. And we mobilize a lot of people out you know, hundreds of people every year into our local community. But then we also have uh, teams of people that focus on worship and inviting those people to our worship experience. Most people, if they're serious about church at all, they're going to show up at a worship experience, probably online first, and then they're going to show up in person in a worship experience. But then from that, we want to be sure that we've got our guest services team. They're ready to love on them, encourage them, bless them support them and invite them to the next step. So those community engagement, worship and guest services all kind of work together. They're under the leadership of one of our senior leaders. And that that flow, although most churches aren't structured that way, seem to really work well for us in a logical process of moving people from the street you know, to the seat. And by the way, I'll just say, um, you may say, well, I don't have that many staff. I can't afford that in my budget. That's okay. I remember when I was pastoring uh, my first church in Oklahoma City, uh, we didn't have a staff person run it, but we had this lady that was in real estate and she loved everybody, right? She was just the most friendliest, warmest, uh, engaging person we could find. And she took the ball and ran with that. And uh, she drew in so many people into our church. So, you know, they don't have to be a paid staff member, uh, to do this. You can find people in your church that naturally engage people and uh, give them a great, really strategic uh, part to play in, in your pathway. 
Miss Norma was awesome. She was, yeah. <laughs> she was a stud at that. I mean, she was so good at it. And That's man, right. she just was excited that we would give her an opportunity to have such a key piece in that process. I remember how much that meant to her. She loved it. It was good. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I and I would actually even challenge you, even if you do have a lot of staff and are able, still get those volunteers involved. God has gifted them and he has given them a desire to to reach out and use those gifts and connect. So someone like Miss Norma, you know, who people are her thing, put those people to work, get put them in leadership and and watch them grow and watch them blossom, you know. And if you don't have staff members to do it, Look for people who have gifts that can that can handle that. I mean, you can't just put anybody in a in a position like that. If someone is not very timely and they're not very organized, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna put them in charge of your database. Um, and if someone really has a sourpuss look on their face, you know, they're probably not the person you want greeting at the door. But look for those ways that you can get people involved. And as they get more involved and as they grow. Put them in roles of leadership. Um, I, I'll share. I don't check volunteers in on Sunday mornings. We have a volunteer that we, serves as our back of house manager that he makes sure that we have volunteers in all the places that need to be. And when they come in, he checks them in. He has name tags waiting for him. He's always, you know, he's greeting them. He's getting them going, excited about the morning. And that frees me to go do other things that I need to do because there's someone who loves stuff like that. Um, able to do that. So yeah, pastors, even if you have a lot of staff, do your best to plug those volunteers in and get them using the gifts that God's given them to serve the body. Yeah, that's a, good. That's a, that's a really good word. Well, hey guys, uh, man, it's been great to spend uh, this last 45 minutes or so with you guys talking about this very critical issue of really helping people who are who we've engaged in the community and they're beginning to make an inroad towards the church. Uh, how do we help them get on that pathway so that they can go from being disconnected, disenfranchised, irreligious to becoming a, a fully trained disciple who is multiplying their life and living life at its fullest uh, and reaching that full redemptive potential. So thank you for your time, Gary. Thank you for your expertise. Thank you for what you do. Uh, Craig, um, thank you, and uh, just really appreciate it. And if there's anything we can do at Disciple First, as you're thinking about these things, and uh, any way we can help uh, you think about them, uh, we'd love to have some conversation with you. You can go to our website. It's www.disciplefirst.com. That's Disciple First, uh, spelled out, disciplefirst.com. Uh, we'd love to, to interact with you and have any uh, answer any questions that you might have. All right, that's all we have for episode 44, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, I just want to say Craig Etheridge is actually going to be at our National Disciple Making Forum this November 4th and 5th as a speaker, a track speaker. So make sure you check that out. If you go to discipleship.org, you can find out all the info about who's going to be there and how you can purchase those tickets. So I hope you go do that. I hope to see you there November 4th and 5th. All right, have a great day, and I hope to see you on the next episode.